welcome to the Crystal Guardian Podcast. My name is Caressa, and this is a show on which I share about my life as a healer and crystal artist. Here, we meet at the crossroads of creativity and consciousness, art and spirituality, giving a voice to the visionaries of today. very big and heartfelt welcome to everyone tuning in. Today is a very special episode, a very special visionary visit. I have with me my friend Jen Tucker. We did our yoga teacher training together in Aruba with Rachel Braven. And Jen is an artist. She is a yoga teacher. And when I met her, she was just a you know, when you look up visionary in the um, in the dictionary, I bet you see like a picture of Jen. She is an Aquarius, a true, true Aquarius. For me, Aquarian. Aquarian? Is that how you... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Aquarius people are the future thinkers of today. Really the people who are helping to anchor in where we are going in the present moment. And for me, Jen, you really embody that, the way that you think about things, the way that you always have surprising kind of opinions about topics. And I'm like, wow, that's so interesting. So I knew when I was starting this podcast that I had to have you on and I am so happy that you said yes. Yeah, it's going to be a very fun one. Let's um, let's chat. How are you doing? Thank you for the intro. It's so good to get to hear from you again and reconnect to the place we met um, energetically and just, yeah, drop back into that place and, and catch up for today. I am doing well. It's it is funny to hear you call me a visionary um, based on how the past two years have gone for me. So it'll be fun to drop into that space again, too, and really, you know, catch up to to what I have done in, in the past and where I am today. Awesome. Awesome. Yes, because tell me, what are you currently doing? Like you've showed, shown me a couple of your kind of the ideas that you're working on, but what, okay, wait, let's go back a, a tiny little bit. When we finished our teacher training, which is three years ago, you were doing a tech job. You were at the side giving paint and meditate workshops. Uh, you were selling a lot of prints, a lot of originals doing, I think you were making a transition from watercolor painting to multimedia arts. And then not too long after pandemic happens, workshop stopped for me um i know for you as well so so kind of fill me in on the last few years yes if we travel back um i had prepared for a yoga teacher training for a long time and knew it was going to be part of my path ever since i started doing yoga probably 10 years ago i knew i wanted to become a teacher or at least go through teacher training and i would wait for the right one to appear i didn't want to rush it and flash forward to us in Aruba. I had never really had any experience with Aruba. I didn't know who would be there. And we actually met on the first night before anything got going. And I had seen your crystal grids before. 
And I guess it hadn't occurred to me who was going to be, what other visionaries were going to be at yoga teacher training or what other artists. And I was obsessed. The moment I saw your crystal grids, I thought we have some sort of cosmic connection. I just couldn't explain. It was not the same as seeing any other piece of art. I just felt an immediate connection. And we ended up sitting across from each other at dinner. I don't even think it was planned. And uh, I, I got lost that whole night is a whole other story. The moon <laughs> led me home that night. Um, I was just ready for a training to begin. I remember you got lost <laughs> and then, oh gosh, yes. <laughs> even getting to yoga teacher training was a journey in its own. So again, funny to put myself back in that place, especially since we've been kind of stuck for the past couple of years or frozen in time in a way. So mm. yeah, when I, when I got to yoga teacher training, I had just really started questioning what art meant to me or what creativity meant to me. Um, watercolor was a new medium for me. And I had a little sketchbook with me and was just trying to do almost a visual journal of what I was seeing or feeling. It was very small. In hindsight, I have no idea why I took such a small one with me, but it it now is full of little moments from training. So lyrics from songs that maybe you would even recognize um, since they were from training birds that were always out around, you know, tropical birds around uh, where we were and moments from the ocean. One of my most popular paintings, but also most meaningful, I think that's why it, it resonated with people, was related to the moon and the sun always being out in the same time in Aruba. At least I always saw them at the same time. So the moon, the ocean, and the sea. And I was figuring out what all of that was for me. And I think just starting to call myself an artist, I, I think that was a new word. I'm not even sure if I was saying it there, but it was it was swirling around in my mind and it was a little uncomfortable to say, yeah, I'm an artist and then have to define what that meant. Mm. So I think that's where I was last time we were really together. Yeah. Uh, but a lot, a lot has happened since then. Can I just add one little thing? Like I, I just remembered that you took water from the ocean of Aruba and used that for your watercolor paintings and... Oh. These little things, they are just so divine. I still have, I think it was right at the end of teacher training, we did a journaling exercise with giving yourself a little piece or a little sentence of motivation for your future self going into like the final exam class. You wrote the sentence on like a watercolored kind of like piece of paper and it was so beautiful. I still have it framed in my house. I love that so much. Yeah. We both have a, a piece of each other in that way. I have a, a version of a crystal grid for me too. Mm. Let's see what, what has happened since then. So a few years ago, starting watercolor, trying to understand what my art was, what it meant for me. I was always a creative kid, but it kind of stopped there. I wasn't really sure what that meant or what to do with it. Uh, I was a camp counselor for four years and I taught art to kids. And then, like you said, I would do work in tech in Seattle. So I was kind of this sensitive, intuitive, creative kid in this very um, technical, modern, futuristic world. Mm. And trying to find where that fit. So by the time I made it to yoga teacher training, I think I was maybe three, yeah, three years into that job, that career and had moved across the United States um, to take that job. So I was in a whole new world and um, it had afforded me things like yoga teacher training. So it was definitely fulfilling me in, in that way, you know, finding things outside of work, but I was having trouble finding how the sensitive kid could fit in that world for 
the rest of my life. <laughs> mm. um, so I was really dealing with burnout at yoga teacher training and formulating this plan to to get out. I mean, to be fully honest, uh, which is funny because I'm still there, but we'll we'll circle <laughs> around to that. Um, I, I was lucky enough to actually find this art space within the tech company, which is a miracle on its own. But it's this tiny studio space that the goal is to just let people come in and have a creative space and have supplies. Uh, and then now they also host artists who have artists in residency programs. So it's it's really grown. But for me, years ago, mm. it was it was my little corner of this space. So what I found there and what I put together that really changed things after yoga teacher training was watching other adults do art in the classes that I was taking there reminded me of teaching kids art and creativity at camp. And uh, at camp, I had campers of all ages. Um, camps are really popular in the U.S. I'm not sure if they're all around the world, but uh, it's anything you can imagine on TV is just like that. Mm -hmm. Little cabins in the woods. I noticed at a certain age, um, from eight to about 17, somewhere in the middle, they, they decided to stop. So we would have the kids that I could really see myself in that would come back and say, I didn't get to finish that project and I have to finish that. And uh, they were the ones that were really following the creativity from their hearts. And then there would be the others that just seemed to decide, oh, mine's not good enough or it's not good as that other person. So I'm not creative. I'm not artistic and I'm just going to stop. And I saw the same thing with adults. Mm. Oh, that's so, so sad, actually. That's already at that age, those things are creeping in. But then they had you to help them out. <laughs> yeah. So in those art classes, uh, to be honest, it was really annoying. Is When I was taking the classes, I found that everyone else's chatter started to get to me. So everyone, you know, holding up their painting and saying how bad it was, or they were basically, yeah. you know, doing human nature, criticizing themselves before someone else could say, you know, it wasn't good enough. And I thought, gosh, that's that little kid in them who decided not to come back to art class. Um, but they're here. They chose to be here for some reason. So what is that other piece inside of them that, that wants to be here and wants their artwork to be praised instead of criticized? And I thought, if I could intercept that, <laughs> if I could just get in the middle of those thoughts and, and let them sit in between that, something beautiful might come out of it. I love that. I love that. I think that is one of the most important things I was teaching. No, wait. I, when I was teaching the crystal grid workshops, I as well, you know, like come across so many people who get into the mind of, okay, I came here and now it has to be pretty, you know, like now it has to look like something or they want to create something that looks like the art pieces that I make. I always try to really encourage people to, you know, like find that own inner voice, that own inner expression. But I feel especially people coming from, yeah, really kind of like the, let's say, tech jobs or, you know, like places where you really have to heavily use your mind. Because in that environment as well, you know, you are trained to work efficient. You are trained to go after the goal. Like you are always working towards, you know, like what are we creating and, and putting out today and this week or, you know, like this quarter. And we forget that art doesn't work like that or that art doesn't have to be that, I feel, you know, it's, of course, it's nice if 
after a while of creating something, people are connecting with your art, right? But it doesn't have to. I think when you get stuck in the, it has to be beautiful, that you don't reach your full potential. Because when you when you don't allow yourself to experiment, and this is also something that I have a lot of issues with, or not issues, but oh, it's such a challenge for me to, you know, like really set that time of, okay, I can experiment now and I can screw up. But, you know, like really having that time where you're like, okay, I can create ugly things. And I, you know, I tell people when they come to me, like you are allowed to create something ugly or something that you didn't expect or, you know, any of those things. But yeah, it is. um, How is that for you? Like that's that dialogue. Definitely that idea of creating something beautiful or functional is the norm. I think that's like the most common idea of art creativity in myself and in people I've taught, you know, people I've just been around throughout life in these spaces. And the idea of creating something beautiful in a way means that it's for consumption. It's for someone else. And maybe that's not true of everyone, but it is, it does seem that if we're leading, looking for something beautiful, we want it to be praised or appreciated or accepted. And Mm. it really, it doesn't leave room for any of those other emotions to come through art. And I definitely see that in myself, um, getting kind of lost halfway through a piece and wondering who I'm making it for. Is it for me? Am I imagining a finished product? Am I wanting Mm. that to be accepted? Like, who is this for? And definitely the past year, my art has become a lot more personal and turned inward to really allow me to feel those different types of emotions. And like you said, give myself permission to make something that is not beautiful, um, (laughs) which of course, as cliche as it sounds, in the end does end up being beautiful because of that process. Exactly. But that's the, you know, you don't reach that level of like the freedom that you feel in a piece where someone has gone through the process instead of just making something to the, you know, like the right inner edge of the comfort zone. Yeah. And showing my work publicly was something that evolved after yoga teacher training. I don't know. I don't think I had done a public show <laughs> before yoga teacher training since I was still in that beginning phase. But the the year after, which I believe was 2019, was really the big pivotal year for me with doing the really uncomfortable things. So teaching my workshops more, showing my work, asking if my work could be shown, uh, sharing it on social media, all of that is uncomfortable. And uh, it's (laughs) interesting because I don't think people think that it's uncomfortable. You see someone out there sharing those things and you wonder, oh, how do I do that? I could never do that we think the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's every step of the way is just another little bit of nerves or self-doubt or discomfort. That was what 2019 was a year of, which we all know now in hindsight was right before the world (laughs) shut down, uh, which don't you worry. That's definitely part of the story. (laughs) But uh, yeah, it was really just getting out of that comfort zone, trying to figure out what I wanted to make, who it was for and what emotions were coming through in it. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that, you know, like we are all freaking uncomfortable all the time. You know, it's such a, such a weird thing also on social media. And that's, I also want to ask you about social media because you are not on Instagram anymore. Also because there's no immediate feedback, you know, it's something else when you share your art while you're seeing people or, you know, like when people are coming for a workshop to you and they're like, okay, so what do you create? And you, you know, like you kind of get the feel, the energy, 
but sharing it on like internet, social media, whatever, you know, it's such a kind of like screaming into the ether of like, hello, <laughs> I created this. I made this. Definitely. What do you think? <laughs> that was uh, one of my first really deep realizations. I would say also of social media connecting to the real world, but also my brain and my conditioning of social media connecting to my conditioning of the real world. And I'm, I'm 29 for another month. So I, I remember the world before internet, but I was also very much raised on it. I uh, started with MySpace in middle school. So I think at this point in the evolution of all of us, we can't really fully remove that from our story. So as, as much as we want to drop our ego or play it cool that getting likes doesn't mean anything to us, it is conditioning. So once you throw that creative, vulnerable piece of yourself out onto the internet, like your art, like your writing, anything like that, you have to wait for the likes to come back. And I don't, I would not believe anyone who said they were not feeling something from that. It's chemical, <laughs> right? But when I put yeah. my work up for the first time in public, I realized this is not immediate. There is no immediate gratification. So it was a coffee, sh a coffee shop that I had dreamed of having my own art in, in Seattle. And Seattle's always been historically very art focused. So it, it felt like a huge deal for me to put my art in a coffee shop. And mm -hmm. I realized that people could come in and like it, <laughs> but I would never know. And they don't actually, tell you. Yeah. They don't tell you. Yeah. The best <laughs> you can hope for is someone contacts you to purchase it, or they maybe find you online or follow you, or really they have a conversation about it when they're in the space or they feel inspired by it. But I was removed from, from it at that point. I had to mm -hmm. leave it like little babies. It had lived with yeah. me. It had been in my floor. I had literally created it and I had to leave it in a space for people to see it. And that was probably the first time in my life, as crazy as that sounds to say, that that gratification had not been instant or had not been shared on, on the internet. Yeah. And how did that make you feel? Oh, very exposed. <laughs> very, um, it was bittersweet in a way. I had a feeling of, I don't want anyone to contact me. I don't want to know what anyone thinks. I, you know, I just want to put the art there and feel good about it and, and be done and I'll take it down in a month. But on the other <laughs> hand, of course, I wanted someone to reach out and say, I would love to buy all of these pieces and here's how it resonated with me. So definitely that first month, because art is usually up for uh, 30 days, maybe 60 to 90 days, depends on your agreement with, um, with the location. But yeah, that whole month I was just noticing, okay, okay, there's no instant like here. And I actually found myself, <laughs> I had put business cards up, of course, and uh, they were running out. And it was like my brain <laughs> needed to make that connection. Like, okay, this, the amount of business cards disappearing is the equivalent to people liking me. It was it's like, like it's one just, business card, one yeah, like. <laughs> it's just so natural. You have to now, at least maybe it wasn't always that way, but yeah, I felt myself really needing that connection of like, what do people think? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, for me, for me, I had the same experience for a while. I showed my art in a Italian fusion restaurant, um, Hearth in Amsterdam, if you want to go to the most delicious place ever, some free, <laughs> uh, free little tip there. But um, they, they also had a bunch of art there and I was just starting out and um, I reached out to them as well saying like, you know, like, oh, hey, so how do you kind of like select the art pieces here? Like, how, how do you guys do that? And immediately, because I, I was a regular there, I was, uh, I was coming 
very often. I really love that place. And he immediately told me like, what? Do you make art? Show me, show me. And then I showed him and he was like, this is awesome. We're going to put you here. And, you know, like it was this whole thing. And for me, that was such a, uh, such a beautiful moment as well, because I, I was, I got that confirmation of, hey, when you do make that uncomfortable step of, you know, like putting yourself out there or, you know, kind of like nudging open that door, very often people are going to be enthusiastic because you make something from a place of love and enthusiasm and passion and people are going to feel that, right? And especially when you're at a place that you also connect with because that place was that for me and I really connected with the owner. So of course they're going to connect with my art and yeah, it was, you know, kind of the same. Like I would, I would sit there sometimes and, and just kind of like look at the people sitting at the table near my art. And then sometimes I could see them talk about the artworks and I would be like, oh, okay. Okay. What are they saying? Definitely guilty <laughs> of that. I, I dropped in a few times. <laughs> You know what? That makes sense, though, that you resonated with the place. So they resonated with you because the highest compliment, other than when I'm creeping, drinking coffee and watching people look at my own (laughs) art secretly, was when I would go back at the end of the month or the end of the contract and take it, take it all down or pick it up. And the baristas or whoever worked at the place, the art was being shown were always the highest compliments. And I realized Mm. it's because they had been living with it for a month. Basically, they are not just coming in for a cup of coffee and seeing it, which is the high honor, but they've been looking at it for a month. And aside from me, they have lived with my art the longest. (laughs) So it was always really cool that, you know, after a certain amount of time, they thought, oh, I really love that piece or here's what I've felt about it. But, you know, people don't often say, oh, it's so beautiful. We we talked about wanting to make beautiful art, but the Mm. feedback you get once you put something out there, it's so much deeper than beautiful. It's it's a co-create creation in a way People will tell you what they see in it, and it's almost never what you (laughs) put in it (laughs) mentally or energetically, and Mm. there's a a whole new story that's created, and that's really where the origins of my art started, and when you say the word visionary, I, I, I can actually see that through thinking about why my art is the way it is in 2019 and why it is the way it has evolved today. Um, Same thing for the workshops I was teaching that we can come back to it also has to do with beauty and emotions, but (laughs) my art really started as a way to get images out that I couldn't explain or when explaining them just wasn't enough. I thought, Oh, I have to show you. And I couldn't quite figure out that feeling. I wasn't really trying to figure out that feeling until the first art that I would consider art from myself came Mm. to life. And I thought, oh, I I understand it now. So it was that pull to create it that taught me what it was trying to come through and say the whole time. And it was that little piece that seed in someone else. So they could tell me what they were seeing, and then they would carry that off into the world. And even if it only lives between us, me creating something, them telling me what they see and what it means to them, we created something together. Oh, I love that. I, it reminds me of something Elizabeth Gilbert writes about in her book, Big Magic, where she shares that whenever she finishes a book, then it's not her book anymore. Like when it goes out into the world, it really lives on in the people that are connecting with it and that are reading with it. And they sometimes read things in there that, 
you know, that are not even in the story, but it's someone else's interpretation of what is in front of them. So it's one of the, I think it's it's such a poetic thing that, you know, you create something and you have your own interpretation of that work. And then you know, it goes out into the world and it, it is engulfed in other people's hearts. And then they create their own story around it. And to me, it really feels kind of like this immortal thing that your art has that, you know, it it is beyond what you can ever comprehend. And that is such a freeing thing as well, because maybe I've had art pieces where I was like, huh, I don't know if it's my best work, you know, and someone else going ballistic about it, like really, really connecting with it. And that just comes to show that when you are following your intuition, sometimes I feel that, you know, like if your head is saying, no, I don't know about it, it's not, you know, like your typical style or whatever. Like if you follow that hunch or that inner force that is telling you, like, just create it, you know, like just make it. And then other people connect with it. It's like this aha moment of, wait, okay, so it was for you. And it didn't have anything to do with me. You know, there's so much magic around creating and and around art. And it's hard to put it into words, as you are saying as well. You know, like some things are hard to kind of like vocalize. And I guess this would be a very hard thing to make art (laughs) of as well. But uh, it's, um, it's one of my favorite subjects for sure, because it's something that you can never, I don't know, like you can never be sure about. And that is the cool thing. So it's it's this ever-changing concept and it's this ever-changing energy that you can't quite capture, but you're always right at the grasp. Yeah. I think that's kind of where you can take that little kid or that adult that's, you know, doing the same thing that the kid in art class is doing, looking for the beauty, looking for the approval, looking for the realism, which is something you won't find in my art, really. It's more abstract. It's Mm -hmm. more conceptual. And that's intentional. I found that I would get caught up in that. If if I tried to draw a chair and it didn't look exactly like that chair in real life, then you just decide, oh, I don't have that skill that artists have. I'm I'm not artistic. I'm not skilled. I'm not talented. And then that's where that would kind of stop. But once you cross that line or you're right on the cusp of becoming an artist or embodying that in your own mind before you ever say it out loud, it's really that last little nudge, some sort of pull that's like, you know what? I don't even want to draw this chair. I want (laughs) to put like teeth in a bird's nest, which is something I did in the past couple of years. (laughs) And you don't know why, but you follow it. And then you start to realize, oh, this isn't beautiful per se. It's something else, but there will be someone that it's for. And that person might not be me. And it might not be anyone. It might never be purchased or go anywhere else, but it had to be created and come to life. And Elizabeth Gilbert actually talks about that in Big Magic too. Like Mm. the ideas and the uh, inspiration exists almost as an entity out in the world and if you don't you don't bring it in somebody else will exactly yes I think that's why we resonate with other other artists work too you know it's we Mm. could trade artwork and, and feel like oh yeah that was this was meant for me and this was meant for her absolutely how does it look like when people are I did like I did your meditative paints workshop and it was really really special and beautiful and it inspired me so much because it also I feel it also is kind of like going into these topics right of 
going beyond that, having to create something because it has to look like something. And I think it's something that you do in your personal work a lot as well. I want to get into that a little bit later, but can you explain a little bit how your workshops, what they look like and kind of like what the idea behind it is? Because I think it's such a, such a cool concept. Thank you. Yeah, that was what was kind of born out of that 2018, 2019 couple of years where I was finding my own creative voice. And I think at that time, I was actually less about my own personal art that was being created and more about this nudge (laughs) to create Mm. this workshop and create those creative seeds in other people and, and interject in those thoughts that I was talking about. So yeah, I had been in in the tech world watching people make art around me and and doing that thing that we do and decided I am going to meditate. I'm going to teach meditation before we start an art class. And then I thought about it more and thought that's not going to be good enough. <laughs> They're going to need <laughs> to stay in the flow and decided to combine painting and meditation and really just did it in what was an intuitive way to me, uh, there was no guidebook for it. There was no plan. I just decided that we would weave it in together and see what came out. So the first year that really evolved. So at first I had people painting a landscape and meditating in between, but I could see them switch back and forth. So anyone who's ever led a meditation or a yoga class, you know that when you first arrive or you first sit down, you're meeting people and something's happening. But when you close your eyes and you meditate together, when you open your eyes again, you're in a whole new room. Everyone has arrived in a new place. You're connected in a different way. And even if it's someone's first time meditating, you you are just completely different than you were three minutes before that. Yes. So, I, and, and we did it before we started the podcast, honestly. And it, it's, it's always the same every time. It's really landing wherever you are. Hmm. So, I could see that happening though. It was in a way switching between the feminine and the masculine. I was bringing them into this meditative energetic space. And then I was asking them to follow my instructions after that. It was very clunky in my mind. So eventually I pulled away from that landscape idea and decided to take a little bit more of a risk that I wouldn't have anything beautiful to show to market this class. I wouldn't have any outcome that I could tell people was going to come from this. There's no chicken that they painted that they can hang in their kitchen was always the joke I made from those like paint and sip classes. But I just, yeah, leaped and took the risk and, and changed it to what my personal art had moved to, which was energetic abstracts very, very uncomfortable for people who have been in a a nine to five job all day or answering emails is, is asking them to come meditate and then also put water onto paper and then touch paint to it and just see what happens without any (laughs) expectation. (laughs) So all of that to say, it really evolved into this space of where my work had gone at the time was something I call an energetic self-portrait, which is really just a fast abstract that you're doing before your brain can step in uh, that's coming from your heart space. And this will look a little bit different for everyone, depending on where you're painting from. It reminds me of if you're in a yoga or a meditation class and the teacher, we are, we are both so guilty of this because it's great. They tell you to like breathe into your leg. And if you've never been in that space before, you might think, breathe into my leg. <laughs> it doesn't what do you mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But if you pause for a second and really 
just try it. <laughs> You'll be able to, to see what that feels like. So that was kind of the prompt I gave people. And in my work at the time, it's really difficult to explain, but I could feel my body as a, as like a three-dimensional object. And I could feel where there was pain and energy, chronic pain, you know, old injuries, any type of just feeling in my body. I could map that out and put it on the canvas as if the canvas was my body. And that was my version of an energetic self-portrait. But mm. showing up to, to classes and prompting that was <laughs> intimidating. And, uh, but at the end, it was beautiful to see what other people came out with. And it was incredibly vulnerable by the end because what, was, what I could see on someone's paper was very personal. Uh, it was something from inside of them that was not painting a realistic looking chair. It was much, much deeper. Yeah, yeah. You know what just clicked for me? We we give the same workshop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we just have different mediums, but you use you use watercolor, paint, whatever, and I use uh, crystals because for me as well. Like I always say, I actually I started teaching the workshop, and then people started telling me like, "Wow, it's actually a mirror of my soul." So I started calling them soul portraits as well, because the, the crystals, they really mirror back to you, like where you are right now and what the energy is that you are in in that moment. So, you know, that's now it clicks for me why your work resonates with me so deeply. It's because we're doing the same thing. Wow, I love that. It's, it's really interesting to think about it in such different mediums too. watercolor versus something hard, like stone, minerals from the earth. They're mm. so different. They would be lovely to do the same thing like if we co-taught a workshop and could compare the watercolors to this more like crystal based object i could even see like having a watercolor base and then placing the crystals yes (laughs) we'll have to come back yes yes (laughs) definitely like let's pin it there Uh, was a, a another level to that too that was interesting because as this workshop evolves I was evolving too and seeing what I was bringing to it and what I was getting from it and how my personal artwork was changing. Uh, but like we said, you know, every time you share, it's uncomfortable. I wouldn't say every time I teach yoga or meditation, it's uncomfortable. I feel mm-hmm. most natural in that space, but there's an unpredictable energy, which is whatever energy is being brought that day with all of the people who show up. And so every workshop is that way. There's a little bit of excitement but you have to be willing to go with the flow (laughs) and just go with whatever is there. And I'm sure you can relate that sometimes that means completely ditching the plan that you had for the day and trusting yourself to lead it into a new space. So by, by, I don't know, the end of 2019 or 15 workshops in, I, I felt a lot more comfortable just winging it really and going with what felt natural. And eventually that led me to getting people to be a lot more uncomfortable. So turning, Mm -hmm. and at this point I was doing this not only in the tech space, but I had expanded it into Seattle and virtually. And it was, it was really getting on a roll right right before 2020. (laughs) Um, But asking people to do stuff that I thought they might hate me for this. So in the end, you've Mm -hmm. been working on this painting that you think is your soul portrait or your self portrait. And now I want you to turn the paper the other direction. (laughs) Yeah. Or draw a line through it or choose brown or just all of these things that the, you know, the really systematic structured art class world 
uh, wouldn't, wouldn't have been prompting you to do in the past because it's not leading you to that desired outcome. This was really turning it on its head. And then yeah. I would ask people to sit with it. So if you've done a soul portrait or a self self-portrait that you didn't expect to do today, how does it feel to sit with it? And that was really what I wanted them to leave with. The, the art that came out of it was probably a blob um, by the end of my workshop. So it, it, that part really was not important. It was how does it feel to do this uncomfortable stuff and to sit with it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they're kind of like, there comes the yoga as well, because that is basically what we've been learning in our whole teacher training. And, and I feel like the kind of yoga teachers that we have been taught to be as well as to kind of like look on for that edge of uncomfortableness and to, you know, like find the healing there. Yeah, definitely. It, uh, it's amazing too, that some people would come to this class with no meditation experience. And it's just such an honor to, first of all, that anyone trusted me for a paint and meditate class, having never meditated, that is so (laughs) brave for anyone to show up to something new like that, but also just trusting me with that first huge step of, of their journey. I just remembered that I had um, one of the very first workshops where a friend of mine, she brought a friend to the workshop. And I remember at the end, she she was like, I didn't think it was going to be this deep. <laughs> I so Are we hard. just gluing rocks? To <laughs> yeah, people were crying and, you know, it's this so it's this funny thing. And it's still one of my favorite things that when you don't expect it and you just kind of like hop along as this, as you're joining someone else. Yeah, it's it's really one of my favorite things when people are bringing other people and they have no clue what's going on. And then, you know, like all of a sudden I've, I've had it a lot of times that people, you know, like just in the start of the, the first meditation that people start crying, you know, because it's the first time that they actually got space for, for just being there, you know, and, and, and that is, or can be very overwhelming if that's the first time that you're actually connecting to, to yourself and what is, and, you know, I, I bet you feel the same, but it's just such an honor to facilitate that space as well and to tie it into creating something which makes it dynamic, which makes it that we can work through those emotions and the things that come up in, I feel a very beautiful way. Mm. Can you share why watercolor and kind of your your path with that medium? Yeah, watercolor may have brought fear to the hearts of anyone listening to this podcast who's ever used it. It is a very polarizing medium, which is which is interesting because it is it is polar in the way that it works. So most most people, at least in the US, their experience with watercolor is that little plastic <laughs> palette <laughs> in elementary school, the basic colors and the terrible yep. brush, the terrible brush. If they would just put a different brush in there, things would be better. But that's it. That's kind of where it stops. Uh, and what we're used to seeing for art watercolor are either landscapes, very flowy, watery landscapes or florals. So Watercolor is ready for a renaissance, I think. And I do think that the the topics that I paint about are the future of of art, hopefully the future of of watercolor, but it takes getting over that fear of it first to use it in that way. So I started using watercolor in my personal art practice really just on a whim. It wasn't It wasn't chosen for any conscious reason or specific reason, but I stuck with it because I wanted to 
understand it because it was really challenging. Uh, it uses water. You need special paper. So first of all, if you haven't had all of the tools to <laughs> support yourself in using watercolor, you'll, you'll, you'll never love it because it just won't work properly. But long story short, you need special paper. You need <laughs> to understand how the water works on that paper. And then the pigment is really just carried by the water. So if you've been like, you know, that person that we've talked about, like very type A, very art class structure, trying to paint something realistic. Watercolor is not for you. <laughs> if, <laughs> if you have put water on the page before, you'll think, oh, it just, you know, it goes everywhere. How do you control it? That's always the question for me. How do you control it? How do you control it? And especially when yeah. people see my personal work, they'll say, how did you get it so precise? And it, I'm really intrigued by how those are always the questions around the art. How did you get it so precise? And, you know, as an artist, Usually the process is the intimate part, is the vulnerable part. It's the reason we come yeah. back is that that pull in the process, not necessarily the finished product, which like we said, you know, sometimes can be other for other people, for someone that it's going to resonate with. It's the process. So yes. watercolor really inspired paint and meditate because I, I found that it was meditative for me. I had to turn off that idea of control. How do I control it? And I did eventually figure out how to control it. That's just a part of, of any type of art, but I had to let go first. And that was really the lesson of the watercolor for me. So our, our mediums are so different in that way. Yours, I can feel it's so grounding and watercolor has you up in the clouds and out in the sea. <laughs> and it's, it's definitely in a different space. Mm. Because of you, I actually started picking up watercolor again because I used to do it with my grandma when I was uh, very, very small. And then after our yoga teacher training, I started painting with watercolor. And for me, actually, it felt very forgiving. You know, it really allows to layer and layer. And because it's not so precise or because it's not so, you know, like it's not this brush that's immediately like it's just this brush but you can like play with it and you can shape it and change it and for me that felt very freeing because it felt more like a dream world rather than a real world which I guess is something that I I personally connect with as well more so than making super realistic things because for me as well I had that feeling when I was small in art class that I was never the best at drawing or the best at painting and then you know like why even try which is like oh it's so it's so stupid that we feel like that and that we're conditioned in that way but it is what happens and then you know we need more people like you like a lot more are doing that that are bringing that new wave into creating and that and to have people feel empowered and to have it be really a tool for for healing and it is really beautiful i love 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 watercolor I found myself in the middle of those spaces too in this past year. So at the beginning of COVID, coming off of that really fast year of progress and growth in my art and everything I was doing, I opened a gallery with five other artists. We opened in January, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In Pike Place Market, which is a historic market in Seattle with lots of artists. But um, clearly the timing was not right um, for, for having a gallery open, but it did teach me a lot. But it really put my art into this public space. And especially if anyone mm. has ever been to Pike Place, it is very busy. And I had envisioned having a, a studio, an art space to, you know, evolve my own personal work. And, and really, I, I love public shows. 
because it pushes me to create something cohesive, to really figure out what that message is that I'm trying to get out and go to that uncomfortable place that we started the episode talking about. It just pushes me. So I thought, oh, I'll have my own space to to keep evolving that. And of course, we all know like the world came... I won't say mm. crashing down. I'll say we had a pause. We had a, a collective <laughs> pause, which I desperately needed because of that tech burnout that we were talking about. Um, but it it yeah. caused me to to go more insular, more internal. And after having years of pushing my work on social media, and I loved social media. I love connecting on Instagram. I had, I know everyone says that, but I really had so many friends that I talked to on Instagram, like solely through stories or through messages and was really connected to. But after going home, you know, and sitting in my little studio apartment in Seattle, I couldn't do it anymore. I, I just realized all of that stuff we talked about in the beginning had caught up to me, you know, having social media since I was 12 years old, having that instant gratification of internal likes, but lacking connection right in front of me. So I really wanted to just pull it inside. And I felt so exposed, not in a good way, having my art in this public space and having to work a shift at a gallery that just felt so opposite, kind of how you talk about, uh, your evolution of crystal grids, you know, it, it wasn't that really structured geometric feeling. It needed to be more intuitive. And my intuition then in 2020 was telling me, go, go inside, go inside yourself. Mm. So I pulled everything off of social media, uh, which is incredibly scary (laughs) because that's where it had lived. So I I had to wonder how will my art exist? If it's not being shown all the time, what will change? And There was a long period where it went through a really nice shift at the beginning of 2020. It became more of that abstract uh, energy painting, energetic space, and it got a lot bigger. So that was a fun time. Mm. (laughs) But then, uh, then there was a big lull where I wasn't creating anything. And that is very scary to any artist or creative. So it wasn't really until about a year ago that I had the first vision of a new painting. So I had almost a year of not really anything coming to me and and trying to be comfortable with that. But last year I had this image come to me and it was of two hands that I, I wanted to make botanical and I don't draw hands that (laughs) hands. Anyone who's had any art class can imagine hands Uh, are notoriously the hardest thing mm -hmm. technically to create. Um, So for a year, this has been on my mind. And uh, I thought I can't bring that to life. That's not the kind of art that I do. I won't be good enough. And I I actually thought that Elizabeth Gilbert thing, I thought someone else will make that. (laughs) That that inspiration will land somewhere else. And it was just a few weeks ago that I thought, you know what? It's time to try those hands again. (laughs) So I found myself really taking that big creative leap of saying, you know, this is not how I've made art in the past how can I make this look realistic, but still my style and not get hung up on that, that place that my entire workshop is about of thinking mm. this isn't good enough. So I had to become my own teacher again and have decided to paint at least one hand a day, every day for at least a month. And my progress has been so massive. I don't want to hype it up too much in case you see these someday and you're like, those don't <laughs> look like hands. See, we all do it. Uh, but I, it's, it's interesting after years of being the teacher, now I'm finding myself right there again, starting over and making this right. big style shift in my work. Yeah. And I've, I've had a little sneak peek of the hands and they look gorgeous. 
just to, you know, like put that out there as well. But I think it is so cool that you, you know, put that on yourself of, okay, I feel like I need to create that. Let's just take 30 days to make hands and see what happens, right? And kind of like you are putting in the dedication and then you leave it out to the universe, whether that's going to um, come true or not, right? Or if that's going to have to be made through you. And it's it's um, such a beautiful, it is such a beautiful example of co-creation. It is, you are sitting down and doing it and then giving it over to, you know, like to the universe or to source or whatever. And then it's just kind of like, okay, whatever you want, I'm here and I'm I'm showing up. I love that because I feel in this day and age of social media, getting into that, you stepping out of social media, I think it's not a coincidence that you have the courage to do something like that of sitting down and being, okay, I'm just going to take this time because in social media, we are constantly, you know, like we want to see results and we want to see what are you making? What are you creating? What is your process? You know, like even when you're making something, you're like, oh, I could make content out of this. Like, or you know, while actually you want to stay in your little creation bubble. And that is when the magic truly happens. And of course, some parts of, you know, the creation process are are a little bit more mechanical and then it's fine. But yeah, it is, you know, like we are so, so drilled of if you can't make it right now, then you don't make it. And we forget that there's this whole process that you can lean into to getting to a place that is, you know, like wanting to exist from you. And I think, yeah, I'm, I'm loving this as well because it's such a good reminder for myself because I usually forget to skip that student phase, right? And you re- immediately want to go to the final products or to being the teacher, but then, okay, can you pause a little bit and then actually get back into really, really embodying what you want to create? I love that. It has mm. become... <laughs> more beneficial than I could have imagined too, because I went into it again with that masculine, (laughs) everything that is the opposite of what I teach. I went in thinking I'm going to increase my technical skill of creating hands and what I've come out of it with only a few days in, I'm I'm probably about halfway through the month. Uh, I did not start at the beginning of December. (laughs) I'm I'm about 10 hands in, we'll say that. I'm getting so much more out of it, like actually understanding the shadow and the light, which, you know, could be a whole podcast of its own, but also leaning into different (laughs) styles. So if I had been rushing to finish this piece, actually rushing to finish this piece to have something new before this podcast to put on my website, you know, getting, getting out of that mindset of marketing and content creation pushing, I would not have landed where I've landed now. And I'm not even, you know, finished yet. So finding those new styles and Mm. reminding myself, this is not a finished piece. It's okay to follow this direction, even if it doesn't end up beautiful. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. Oh, that is the, it's the, it's the whole thing. And I think every single artist is you know, constantly in in the process of finding a balance there. And I feel like probably we are never in perfect balance. Of course, we're never in perfect balance, but we are striving to be in that perfect balance of masculine feminine, because sometimes you do need to, you know, like sit down, do the thing, create art, because if you always stay into the dream and the concept and the vision, 
except when you have other people that are making it for you, you know, like it, it won't come into the world and that's what you want, right? You want to like get it out there and, and, you know, look at it and, and think I created that. Like I, by hands gave birth to this <laughs> and it's this beautiful feeling, but always, always this balance between the feminine and the masculine and intuition and technique and wisdom. And I think it is just so beautiful to, to, you know, like hear that from other people as well. So, yeah. So if anyone listening right now is, you know, also struggling with that to, you know, like know that we're all out there struggling with it and we're all, you know, like facing the same fears and the same discomforts and the same, yeah, like we're all doing it together as well. Like being an artist, usually, you know, like we're, we're the Pisces or the Scorpion or the Aquarius, you know, like really those, those people who are more naturally, usually the lone wolf, you know, the sensitive soul that are seeing things and we want to bring it out into the world. And to know that we're all together doing this as well. I mean, I feel like that so much talking to you as well, right? Like we we're so far away, but at the same time, it feels like oh, we're doing this together and we're supporting each other. And yeah, I'm just hoping that this conversation as well brings that feeling to to yeah to you guys listening right now. One last thing that I want to ask you that I ask all uh, my guests is if you have a source of inspiration, something that really formed you in where you are on your path right now. Yeah, that other people, if they feel inspired by you, that other people can connect with to kind of dip into your energy. Ooh, that is a good question. My inspiration is nature. So I'm going to tell everyone to go outside. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And uh, you'll see it in the work that I have posted on my website, which is the only place I am right now that is not right in front of me. That was kind of my promise to myself going off of social is to be where I am and where my feet are. And as often as I can, that is nature. So it doesn't matter what season it is, where you are, you know, go find it, whether it's the rain or digging for crystals or finding Mm. moss, or maybe it's it's sunny there, but find something there that leaves a mark on you and and see if it inspires you to to create something. Thank you for sharing that. Can you please share with the world what your website is? You're not going to share your socials, but you know, like if we want to, I just want to say that I have the, I got it for my birthday a couple of years ago, the divine moon phases watercolor artworks that you have and they're just gorgeous and beautiful and I love them so much so you know I feel like everyone should just kind of like take a little look at your website um, (laughs) I totally forgot you have those that was a surprise um by your friends who contacted me and it was so special to to get to hand detail those with you with um, water from Aruba, actually. Mm. Uh, it is art by Jen Tucker, which is my name. I'm sure we can put in the notes. Yes. Um, .com. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I feel like we need to do uh, we need to do another one and have so many topics to chat about because we just got to the tip of things. And um, yeah, let's do this again soon. So many things. We have to talk about crystals and dreams and so, so many things. We could do lots of these. Uh, I would never find things to, to stop talking with you about. 
Yes, yes, I love it. I love after what episode was it? Oh, the episode on plagiarism. You sent me a message and you were like, we can do a whole podcast episode just talking about this. I feel like we could do a, we could do a feature of Jen Jen visits. <laughs> I I accept. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being here, Jen. Thank you guys for listening. It's been a joy. Speak soon. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.